This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. The Jay Severin Show. Bernie Sanders. Here's your headline. Bernie Sanders finally gives Hillary Clinton some hot primal. No, wait. This has just been handed to me. Ah. Bernie Sanders finally gives Hillary Clinton not some hot primal, some hot primary love. That would have been a much different show. Excelsior. Welcome back, best and brightest. I am Jay Severin. You are, as aforementioned, the best and brightest in the industry. No wonder we are so comfortable together. And did I mention humble? The Blaze Radio Network presents you and me. We have a, we have a number. We have a complaint line. Odd, it's never been used for a complaint. But that's the problem. Would you complain, please? No, really, truly. Complaints, observations, criticisms, all ball malt as you feel appropriate fodder for our delicious smorgasbord of the brain. That makes it less appetizing, doesn't it? Okay, let's just say smorgasbord. And before we get to the hot primal, oh, damn, no, hot primary love on the campaign trail, let us get to a different kind of politics, just for a moment, because you maybe aren't watching it or because maybe you are or because maybe you know about it. Today is the principal public ceremony for the fallen police officers in Dallas. It's quite a hoot, nanny. And you know me as I know you. And so you know when I say hoot, nanny, I do it without a shred of disrespect the problem for me is i believe all of these so-called memorials are turned into hootenannies by the presence of big-time politicians because it invariably in the days we find ourselves the only difference between politicians and crack whores is the crack horse, you know, that can add up. That can get expensive. But if you think that's expensive, try some politicians. And the real difference is the politicians aren't happy to leave at the end of an hour. They they want your adulation. The problem is with politicians, unlike other, and I use this word now very generally, okay, the 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 word prostitute, very much in general. You know, a prostitute 
or a prostitutional exchange is one in which something is exchanged for currency. Something is given for money. It's the oldest quid pro quo in commercial existence. Yes? The problem with the politician is they're never happy to take their money and go. And they always want more money. But they want something else, which is more, seems to me more offensive than anything purely prostitutional. And permit me to, permit me to apologize to uh, the prostitutes I uh, known, have known. Yeah, I'm going to get that tense, that verb tense right. Have, honey, have known. Have known, honey. Not know. Anyway, uh, President Obama, Vice President Biden, their wives, and the usual suspects have come to Dallas. And it's what they do when they get there, it seems to me, that's important. I'm not, I'm not an ingrate. I'm glad that the president has deigned to come. But how do I watch this? And I've watched every second of it. Oh, Radio 101 tip for you kids scoring from home. Just keep an eye on your watch because your parents are going to pull into the driveway soon and you don't want to get caught scoring at home. But for, for you kids scoring from home and hope to enter the radio business, here's a Radio 101 tip. Uh, from Jay. If you want to get up for a show, you want to lift your spirits, you want to get energetic, even a little giddy in anticipation of a show, don't watch a memorial service for fallen police officers. In fact, I could extend it to 101A. Don't don't watch memorial services. That's not the select reel you want to pop up. Of all the things you've got there, watch an old copy of Spartacus for the 23rd time if you need to. Even the TV version. That's that's how clear a choice this is. You don't watch memorial services as, as show preparation. Uh, th- thus ends that particular lesson worth far more than you're paying for it. Trust me. No. So President Obama shows up and my complaint is that it's not that it's, it's not that it's President Obama, although he does it more of it. And I think more obviously than other presidents have, but it's just part of the devolution of our process. The next president will do it worse and it's this process of glomming on to a tragedy to make it part of the political process. No matter how much prima facie you try to make it, you know, I'm just here to mourn. It's just little old me. Don't pay any attention to that pomp and circumstance. I'm just here to mourn. But somehow the mourning always turns into, you know, how great someone else is, which quickly transforms into how great we are, which somehow always seems to work its way to how great I am and what a difference I'm making. And again, I don't say this just about 
Barack Obama. It's just all politicians. And believe me, had I not spent most of my life with them, perhaps I wouldn't be so cynical about it. But the president is in Dallas. Would I rather he be there than not there? Yes. Would you rather he be there than not there? I suspect yes. But you know what I would rather? I would rather the president go just once. Not announce a schedule. Not release a schedule to the media. Just go. Release a a media uh, schedule that says you're going to be there tomorrow. But then go today. Slip into town in the middle of the night to the degree such as possible. But the point is, go to the homes of the five victims. Go to their families. Hug them. Cry with them. Mourn. And 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 then leave town. Once. Do it once to show that politicians don't do this because the camera light is on. And it just once. Imagine if they had a power failure at this great interfaith ceremony. You think they'd continue? You think if this went dark, they would continue? Oh, I think not. I think they'd say, oh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get this fixed until then. The organ player is going to perform for you. And by the way, what is the deal with this interfaith service? I'm sorry, but I could speak with more authority, perhaps, were I a strong something. You know, if I were a good, honest, strong Jew, if I were a good, honest, strong Presbyterian, if I were, if I could lay claim to the practiced fealty to a religion, and I could say, you know what, damn it, although that may not be the way I'd start it, damn it, I'd say, you know, why can't we have a good, honest Episcopalian ceremony here? Why do I need interfaith? My faith is not inter. My my faith is Episcopalian, or my faith is Amish. I, I I'm, I'm I'm not inter. If I were inter, I'd be inter Amish Jew. I'd be I'd be inter. I'm not inter. I'm Protestant. I want a Protestant service. How many years? How long? Is this somehow supposed proof of our enlightenment of our evolution that now we can't say, you know, Officer Doolittle was a Catholic. In accordance with such, guess what we're going to have? Guess. Guess what we're going to have? Yes, the Cardinal's going to come down, and we're going to have a good old-fashioned Irish Catholic Mass, in keeping with the fact that Officer Doolittle was Irish and Catholic. We don't have to be ashamed of that. We don't have to water it down. We don't have to apologize and somehow make it politically correct. Did you notice this? Everything has to be interfaith, except when people go to their services on Friday or Saturday or Sunday, or they don't go, or they go different days, or they go every day. Where, where are you going? Well, I'm, I'm going down to the inter, ma. Where are you going? Going to the inter. 
And 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 you walk out, and and she says, your mother says to her best friend, I'm I'm so proud of him. He's been a strict inter since he was a little boy. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Both true. And our number is 1 888 900 3393. 1 888 900 3393. In keeping with the international flavor and constituency of the show, I, I would like to continue to offer the number for our callers in other nations. Uh, today for Australia, 1 triple eight nine double zero double three nine three and you know of course uh, twitter is at jay then little underscore doohickey at jay underscore s-e-v-e-r-i-n or as that is pronounced in australian and coincidentally also in new zealand in kiwi severin mr severin Calling, I can't call. Actually, you're you're calling one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Just a, a last comment, if I may, about unless you have one, you steer the boat. Uh, I'm just uh, Gilligan. So about this uh, interfaith deal. Generally speaking, these services, if you recall. Think about this. Do you not recall, along with me, that these services generally and and unfortunately tend to be, in my mind, to my memory, they tend to be largely African-American? That is to say, it it seems to me that a disproportionate number of times when the president goes to mourn, it is an African-American victim. And thus, I think we generally get something of a, in this case, wonderfully disproportionate. Now, we'll put an asterisk there, you know, given Hillary is still very much in the race and she has the biggest asterisk in punctuation. So we'll place that asterisk there for a moment and say we have generally a a black flavor in a lot of these services, which is the best possible thing. I've mentioned to you before that when I, I was a kid, and this is owing to a lot of different circumstances, but mostly to my parents, God bless them, that I, we had a very progressive upbringing and I find nothing inconsistent 
by the way, with that and the fact that I'm now a pure, out-and-out, huge, uppercase L libertarian. I think it's because of it. I think it is it. But in any case, a very progressive upbringing, as a result of which I have no doubt, the fact that a lot of my closest friends, I don't mean nod and hello friends, I mean my closest friends were black. This goes back now before, you know, you may say, so what? All right, well, try it, try it in the early 70s. And in a place where it was, you know, not necessarily the order of the day. And try it along the lines of your friends stayed over at your house on Saturday night and you stayed over at theirs and not so secretly, I made it known that the invitation I coveted was Saturday night because Saturday night meant two things. It meant church on Sunday morning. I'm not a re- I was that not then religious as you know I am not then. I was then faithful as I am now, but not religious. No, it wasn't it was not it was not the faith that made me so look forward to church. And the second thing was by the way before I forget was Sunday dinner. Sunday dinner. But let's focus on church for a moment. If you've ever been to an African American church service and then you go back to your own, it's great that we all respect our own. Oh, wait, it's not. We're supposed to be inters. That's right. We all interfaith. I forgot. How dare you be? How dare you be Catholic? You have to be inter. But back in the days before, you didn't have to be inter. Man, I went to black church services, and I know today that society has come, for good or ill, to recognize that um, a man named Alex can wake up this morning and decide he's presenting as Alice, and he can heave himself in his sweaty wedding tackle into the ladies' room and thereby present himself as Alice, much to the horrification of Alice's in the ladies' room. But see, we didn't have that back then, and I somehow believed I was ahead of my time because I believed I was a transracial. That's right. I believed long before it was popular that I was a transracial, that I was a black person born in a white person's body. And you will, you too will experience this phenomenon if you go to an African-American church service. I mean a robust one. I mean one with a slamming Hammond B3 organ with that Leslie swirling on there and you get into the rhythm and I'm telling you, it will, the spirit will take you and you will say, I am transracial. And today I am not presenting as a white guy. It will happen. And I I mention all of this just to get to one point. This service today in Dallas, my, uh, my brother, Police Chief Brown, does the brother preach or what? Did you hear him today? Now, again, he didn't, he didn't go Reverend Ike on us. 
But what he did do was he said, dig down deep in the most meaningful words in his life that when he needed a date, he couldn't express himself to a girl that he loved. He would go and get his favorite Stevie Wonder lyrics and he would read those lyrics. And never until today, my dear friends, never until today did I realize how much poetry that truly is, that Stevie Wonder's lyric is poetry, until I heard it lifted out of the music and read as a prayer of love, of loss. Brother Brown is a great police chief, and the brother preach. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. I am Jay Severin, and in keeping, as aforementioned, for the convenience of our internationally comprised uh, clientele, our number is one 888 Now, you know, I say our number, and you, you, I know it rolls right off you. It's a radio show. Radio shows have numbers. But bear in mind, you are being heard all over the world, at least in theory. And beyond theory, we happen to know uh, because we know because of our research. And I mean, but forget that. We know because you've been here when people have called, when that skipper of a, uh, I think he's from Wales. He's the skipper of an international yacht. And he listens when he's in the middle of the Atlantic, generally. And calls us. You, you've received the calls from Finland and from South America. So, hey, I'm not saying they're common. You, you know, you generally don't hear me say, oh, let me see, in Southie, oh, wait, hold on, no, in Oslo instead. But that number represents your opportunity, even if you're a nativist, even if you're a nationalist, even if you're a purebred Trumpist. From the beginning, you know that this is an opportunity for your view to be heard for free by the people who matter, the best and brightest. Here's your chance to insinuate your thought. It could be that one thought that people hear and say, you know, I heard something on the radio today and they bring it up at dinner. And it could be that members of that family, maybe the kids, they remember it, they think it, they mention it. You could influence. I'm not kidding. You could influence someone's thinking for five minutes, for five hours, for a lifetime here. And there's no extra charge. You say extra charge. What's the base charge? Well, I'm thinking of that. I haven't worked that out yet. Okay. So our number is one. It's a great deal in any case. one 3393 And uh, courtesy of my daughter... Here uh, is our number in Mandarin. E ba 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 jo ling ling san san jo san. Okay, did did you miss that Joe? So just in case we had a dropout. E ba 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 jo ling ling san san jo san. Okay, stay tuned. You never know what may happen next. 
like Scott from Boston. Welcome. Jay, what's up? How, good afternoon, Scott sir. Day. What's up, doing? my friend? Uh, I'm well. Tell me, How are you? Uh, I'm okay. just saying, and you, you though, educate me watch, here. You can't watch these memorial services and then go on the air because I get all choked up. It's not good for my vocal cords. It, and, it is. And there's so much. Go, excuse me, Jay. Go ahead. My bad. No, go, go, go. Well, I'm saying, let me just start off my call by saying I'm aware that calling every day is overstaying my welcome, but there's so much going on that I feel like calling in every other day. And then please feel free to tell me, Scott, go away for three weeks. You know what I mean? I won't take it personal. We just don't, we just don't let you on. It's okay. There's a a control system. Yeah, there's a control system in effect here. Yeah. I forgot I'm dealing with one of the greatest minds. Not that guy again. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let me uh, open in. By the way, just let me preface my uh, call here by saying I am coming in blind. I just came into my house. I have no idea what's been going on for the past 30 minutes. No clue. Yeah, but first I, half hour was principally uh, uh, concerned the president flying out to Dallas to, I think, kind of glom on, and, and not just him, but, but the politicians glomming on to memorial services, which I don't like. I'm also uncomfortable with this now established trend that we're all interfaith we just can't have if it was offer officer O'Houlihan, we just can't have can we have the can we have the parish priest down there and take a couple of hits of scotch and and have an irish catholic <laughs> wedding we're not allowed anymore we have to be inter we all have to be oh, good man. inters so we have to be interfaith you know why can't someone just be a good Jew or a good Mormon and say, I, just you know, a good in keeping with just his lifelong, yeah. in keeping with just his be lifelong good... beliefs, Officer Houlihan will be honored with a Roman Catholic mass. What do you think Officer Houlihan would think if, from the grave if he knew he was going to get an interfaith? I don't want interfaith. I want God, I didn't go to inter on Sunday mornings for my whole life. The reason why I love you, and I've listened to you since 2002, I believe, because um, you're just so entertaining. It's unbelievable. I, I have a point to make, but I'm already off it. I want to talk about no, that no, now. Go, but I'll go. get back. I know. Before but we get quick, to hockey, yeah, Jay, God Jay, help I think us. We'll agree on, Jay, I think Say we it. will agree on this. The Dallas Police okay. Chief Brown is a very impressive man, yes or no? I think he's a great leader. He's doing a great uh, job in the press conferences. Do you not agree? Well, I, I, I was waiting for you to stop, I, I, which, oh. you know, if you wait with me, it could never happen. So I appreciate that there's a danger in that. But uh, <laughs> I was thinking today the best way to answer your question is to give you the short answer, yes, and to give you the not long answer, which is to say, uh, honest, honest to God, when I watched him ascend the podium today, Chief Brown, And what washed over me at the moment, because, you know, I'm a creature of the media. And so having had an impression of Chief Brown over years, months, and now days and hours, I looked at him ascend the podium. I measured and took in the nature and magnitude of the reception he was given by the assemblage. And mostly I looked at the way he squared his shoulders and acted like a man who accepted and anticipated that welcome, but without a molecule of arrogance. And to me, that answers your leadership part of the question. This guy looks like a, not just a leader, Mm. not just a capable leader, but a born leader. 
a true leader, meaning from his soul. He's not doing yeah. it just to be on TV and try to say the right thing. That he's soul pouring in front of the microphone, saying. At one point, at one point, he even made and obviously there's nothing funny about what happened in Dallas, but he he sees the situation and made like a quick joke to a reporter. Like, you know, I mean, like, I mean, I'm impressed, Jay. I am impressed with that man. I'm not kidding you. Well, I'm I, I super agree. impressed. And it didn't hit me. I think it may have hit us at the same time. I mean, I, I've, 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 watched, I've known him for, I, not, I don't know him as in personal acquaintance, but I have watched him uh, for years and I'm aware hmm. of him, but not until, for obvious reasons, the last several days has our focus been on him such that you could really watch him in different circumstances, different speeds, right? Different moods. It's all in the morning gear, but there were different sort of speeds sub speeds within the morning gear and you could watch him speak extemporaneously watch him speak like a speech watch him interact with people and and scotty i agree with you he appears to me to be a born leader of men i'll tell you one thing uh i'd rather him uh, being if we could do a uh, quick transition i would rather him be in the president right now than obama i think would be a lot better off you're probably not alone uh, i would say that uh, one of the things that did occur to me, uh, because I suppose this is like being a former butcher. You know, if someone sits down next to you to ball game and they put their sandwich on their lap, you kind of look at the sandwich and say, oh, it looks like a nice cut of meat. You know, I, I, then again, if you're, if you're presenting, if Scott is presenting that day as, you know, Scottilia, maybe you look at his lap anyway. I, I don't know. But uh, but. As a former politician, as a recovering politician, one of the lenses through which a recovering I view politician, the... Jay, excuse yes. me, I'll not, I only interrupt well, you. When well, I feel well, let me just finish this. Let me that finish is this. so clever. Yes, I, you have no idea. A recovering politician. I, that is brilliant. It's, it's not original. <laughs> trust me, but uh, but I'll take it. As I looked at Chief Brown ascend the podium today, I did view it through a particular lens, and that lens was. Because many hundreds of times in my life, for the first 20 years of my professional life, someone would come to me, either an assistant of mine or someone who was seeking to hire us, and they would sit down in New York and they would throw on a videotape and say, do you know this person? I'd say no. They'd say, what do you th- okay, what, do you th- what are your impressions based on this, on this limited batch of impressions I can give you? And... They would throw on a tape. And today when I watched Chief Brown, I looked at him, Scott, through that lens, and I said, here is the next governor of the state of Texas. Jay, I could not agree more. That That's what inspired me to call you today. I'm like, should I call Jay? I've already called him three times in nine days. Like, I'm <laughs> overstaying my welcome, but I couldn't help it. I'm like, not I at all, need Scott, to say always, to Jay. welcome. No, I think Thank this guy you. is, I think Chief Brown, if he wishes it, there is a seat waiting for him. Now, he may be advised to take a congressional seat to start out. I would advise against that. It may not be in his wheelhouse. Uh, I've always told my candidates, as I learned from the great David Garth, run for the office you want. You know, it's like a cousin of dress for the job you want. You know, dress for the job you think you have. Well, I always told politicians or those aspiring to become so run for the office you want 
And whenever they would say to me, well, I, I could run for the Congress or I could run for governor, that's when they'd get the lecture about the difference between the job, between an executive job and a legislative job, and how it couldn't be more ill-suited one to the other, depending on your, uh, mostly on your personality. And if you are a leader... You don't want to be one of 535 legislators. You don't want to join a body which is ipso facto a body of compromisers. You want to lead. If you want to lead, don't become a congressman. Uh, if you've got like great ideas in the abstract and you'd like to bring people together to talk about them for several years, join a faculty or join the United States Congress. If you want to lead... That man that ascended that podium today at that service, Scott, I looked at him and said, there is a chief executive officer. And what I mean is governor. And after governor, I mean, yeah, maybe president. Scott, thanks for calling. Have to jump. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, best and brightest. Uh, Our number again in keeping with our full service organization to our constituency, which is international. Uh, I've been and I've been neglecting this a little recently and I I oughtn't Uh, for our Legion listeners in Samoa. Our number, which uh, here in North America is one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Yes, I know North America comprises more than uh, principally English-speaking populations, but everybody knows English in North America. See, no, uh, our number here is one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. For our Legion listeners in Samoa, that would be Tasi. Valu, 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 Eva, Selo, Selo, Tolu, Tolu, Eva, Tolu. Did you, what, oh, you missed the toe? Okay. Once again, Tasi, Valu, 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 Eva, Selo, Selo, Tolu, Tolu, Eva, Tolu. And that uh, comes to us from uh, Kalesa who happens to be, by the way, in, in Texas. And if you uh, if you saw a picture of Kalesa, you'd want Samoa. Oh, ow, ow, ow. Oh, gee, that hurt. That hurt a major organ, and I, but I couldn't resist. Gene, from the Keystone State, welcome. Thank you, Jay. I uh, wanted to disagree a little bit with something that you mentioned in your monologue and call it petty if you like i'm okay with that no no Uh, not at all please do let's hear you you said something to the effect that you were glad obama was um, at the memorial for these police officers and you thought we might be glad that he's there too 
Well, I tend to disagree. I think it's an insult to those men's memories that that anti-American, anti-cop president is there. And I can cite multiple incidences to where he went after the cops, went after white people, went after all of this to stir the racial the racial intolerance in this country, helping cause this problem. Well, I'm principally concerned with what I said, right? What I'm on record saying, and that you and I right. have an understanding, if not an agreement, at least an understanding about that. My thesis was there are ways to do it and ways not to do it. I think the way that has become the general way of doing it, which is to go as public as possible, to make it like a ball game, to go glom onto it, to make it essentially political and self-serving, as opposed to, and I gave an example, as you may recall, Gene, go there in the middle of the night, go there to the homes of the fallen, meet with the families, sit in their kitchens, cry with them, no cameras, no pictures, no politics. Go there, feel them, be with them. That, to me, is what a president of the United States could do and ought to do. So, in some circumstances, yes. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. And here it is, Bernie Sanders, that is. Boiny, toity, toid, and toid. I'll meet you guys at toity, toid, and toid. Boiny Sanders gives hot primal. Oh, wait, oh, wait. Oh, no, that says primary. Bernie gives hot primary love to Hillary. We'll still make it good. Excelsior. Welcome back, best and brightest. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network. I am Jay Severin. You are the best and brightest, as aforementioned. one 3393 one And in keeping with our practice of servicing our far-flung international constituency of audience and active callers, our number is one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. But for our Legion audience in the former Hungary, which is now not so hungry, but they could eat something. Uh, our Hungarian number is Edai Noit 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 Kilens Zero Zero Hadam Hadam. Keylens had him. And I don't need to repeat that because our 
Hungarian audience is so sharp at picking that stuff uh, stuff up. I never, never have to repeat it. Okay, Bernie Sanders finally gives hot, no, not primal, but it almost worked, hot primary love to Hillary Clinton. Yes, today Bernie Sanders finally completed the excruciatingly long and void of mystery kabuki dance that he and all others in the business, oh, how many kabuki dances have I watched? Watch. You want to feel sorry for yourself because you've watched these kabuki dances? How would you like to have to have choreographed them and then rehearsed the dancers and then stood on the side of the stage like a worried fourth grade mother before a first violin recital while they performed the kabuki dance? Are you kidding me? How many times have I seen the same guy slide into third base, which is another way of saying this. That was when I got the feeling that it may be time. It may be time to become something of an umpire or something like that. In any case, Bernie Sanders today, Bernie Sanders today endorsed Hillary Clinton, completing, again, that last step in the highly ritualized, highly choreographed kabuki dance known to politicians as the you-need-my-voters, I-can't-win, so give me stuff to look like less of a loser, and I'll encourage, without warranty, I'll encourage my voters to switch allegiances to you. This is I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying that as a professional politician, over my whole life, I've always wondered at this because of how infrequently it works. Now, that is not to say that people don't vote for their next best choice and that in voters' minds, their next best choice is almost always the logical one. So if you support Bernie Sanders... Who are you going to vote for? Who's your next best choice? Now, I admit, with Bernie Sanders supporters, because of the legal insanity defense, otherwise known as youth, it's possible under this insanity defense that they could vote for, who is the mincing pot smoker from New Mexico? Gary Johnson. They could vote for Gary Johnson. Absolutely. Well, you know, some of them could. And some of them could vote for Jill Stein, the Green Party candidate. Jill Stein, who's been around longer, I think, than any American candidate now. I think the last time she topped out at about 1%. But there's always room for growth. At least, you know, when you get 1% in national elections, you know, there's room for growth. And... Who else? I don't know. You know, there's always going to be two or three. They're the American Vegetable Party candidate. You know, there will always be other people. And and given the various insanities to which Sanders voters are subject, that's where they'll, if anyone's going to go there to these other places, that's where they'll go. 
but not all of them, not most of them. Where will most of them go? Well, it seems to me, and we may have to slap another asterisk here. You like slapping asterisks with me? You should see a doctor about that. We may have to slap another asterisk here because I don't know. I really don't know in this election year. One of the things that has made this stuff so much fun for me these years is because I knew what was going to happen. I knew what was going to happen next. I knew exactly what was going to happen next. And I knew it months or weeks in advance. Guru Jay, holy cow, holy cow chip. Guru Jay, no. Guru Jay, Guru Jay, know all. Guru Jay, tell some. And so that was a, you know, it's been a great gig. But this election year, I got Trump wrong. I mean, I then got him righter. And, and now I've got him righter. Once I got him right, uh, then I was back on track. But at first, I didn't think he'd win the primary. And I said so. Anyway, without going into history, especially history that has me wrong, that that gross, tiny part of perverse history in which I'm wrong, let's not bring that up again, shall we? Let's focus on when I'm right. And where do Bernie voters go? When Bernie gives his hot primal slash primary love to Hillary, does it work? Where do they go? And it just seems to me, again, as a matter of the most basic in the world politics, if you supported Bernie and you had a reason, and this is the part that has defied the professional figure-outers, even including me on occasion, if you're a professional figure-outer in advance, then you know that if you have a reason why you support Bernie, you want you want the United States to change its flag to the hammer and sickle. You you want to have confiscatory taxes. You want to turn all of our ships and armies over to the Soviet Union. You want us to drink vodka instead of milk. Mothers should be ordered to have to uh, nurse in vodka rather than milk. If you're for Bernie, you should want these things. Bernie's a good Kwame, but I don't know that he can transfer that vote. This year? I don't know. I don't know. But I know it matters greatly. Where do Bernie's voters go? You got an idea? one 888 one Nine hundred three three nine three. I will tell you this. Donald Trump sent out a tweet moments after Bernie gave up his hot primal slash primary love to Hillary today. And Trump's tweet said, a lot of Bernie's supporters are disappointed. They think he sold out. Now, of course, Trump is the last person in the world who has any idea 
what anyone else is thinking. He doesn't know what he's thinking 30 seconds from now. But he that doesn't mean he couldn't be right. There is a school of thought. I'm not saying it's a good school. I'm not saying I'd send my kids there. But there is a school of thought that says a lot, uh, strike that, a significant, a significant, not substantial, a significant number of Boiny voters will vote for Trump because what they were really after was a spit-in-your-eye different guy. Now, of course, it's utterly irrational for you to vote between Trump and Bernie if you have an actual reason for supporting either. But let's not ruin this by ascribing reason to these young people, shall we? This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 I am Jay Severin. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network, one 3393 Where do Boyne Sanders' supporters go? Do they listen to him? And I don't think there is any connection between candidate and supporters that has been as organically strong, I'm trying to think in my lifetime, but in recent history, recent memory, I can't think of one. People who like Boiny love Boiny. Still, still. Do they love him to the point that they will, faced with the thought of his absence, you know, abandoning him, the political scene absent Boiny. Think about what that landscape looks like to them. And here's where I can be helpful, even if I can't tell you what Bernie's supporters are going to do. If I can't tell you the future today, at least I can give you the bang on analysis on which we can base our predictions. And it's this. There is a very strong relationship, stronger than in recent American political history, without exception, between Bernie Sanders and his voters. One could argue that Barack Obama enjoyed that kind of support when first he ran, and you could even argue that even the second time he ran, but that's different. Because African Americans and certain elements of the left are, but especially African Americans, are going to be for those who are supportive of of Barack, are going to be for very special reasons. And no one's going to change those reasons or replace them. I mean, that's it. He's the man. And that's that. As much as some of us feel... Wow, do we feel differently, but his supporters don't. Yet still, yet still, Barack Obama was 
forgive me. And, and no, nothing insolent intended here. But Barack Obama was the obvious choice to his core supporters. Was he not? He's the obvious choice for reasons that are kind of intransmutable. They just, there's just a lock there. And we understand that. We know that. But Bernie is a different story. Bernie's an old white guy from Vermont. This, on its face, does not conjure a great deal of automatic support. This is not what you're talking about when you say, I've got our guy. He's an elderly white guy from Vermont. And I sit around the table and say, hmm, okay, boy, that's that's nothing but winners there. White, elderly, Vermont, yeah. How could this have escaped our attention when he was still only in his 80s? But Bernie, you had to go shop for. Bernie, you had to pick. Bernie, you had to pick. And once you picked Bernie, you stuck with him with the nature and magnitude of personal allegiance that just isn't there with other candidates. Still, still, is that transferable? Is that a dollar bill? Transferable in all debts, you know, American legal public tender, transferable in all debts, public and private. Is it the same as a dollar bill? I don't think so. I don't think Bernie can write a check to Hillary you know, made out to Hillary Clinton for you know, 20 million of my supporters. I don't think so. But as we look at this, the real question is, are they crazy enough to be as crazy as him? See, I think maybe they are. I think Bernie's supporters are crazier than he. But see, Bernie would never... Bernie will accept or at least has accepted for a long time, this notion of his being this wild maverick. Sure, Bernie loves that. Tell him and keep telling him. He loves it. It's, it's sexually arousing. He loves it. But is he really? You know, the truth is he's really not. The truth is Bernie Sanders is, you know, I know his voting record. I followed him for 25 years. I, I know who Bernie Sanders is. Bernie Sanders is what he claims to be. You could say that for him, but he's he's a socialist. Not not, he's not a Democrat. He's a communist. And that's that. Now most of his younger supporters, which is everybody, has no idea really what that means. Or they they may if they're in or recently out of college, they they may think they know what uh that means they don't they're not prepared to tell you when you confront them and say name me a socialist system okay. the kind of things that bernie sanders is for okay name me such a system that's ever worked anywhere ever they can't but you see they don't know they don't care they don't see the importance of that point, that's okay. 
they have one of the most compelling defenses ever conjured in the American philosophical, educational, legal, or other systems, and that is stupidity. We were all young once, and you get that stupid license. And so they've got that stupid license and pull over. Could I please let me see your registration and stupid license? And they've all got it. The question is, what do they do now? And maybe they do nothing. But I know that there are, I can tell you, I know personally, contact. I can't give you the names, but I can tell you there are people within the Trump campaign who are actually counting in. They're actually counting in. They're, they're assuming a certain number of voters they're going to get from Bernie. And I, I mean, that would be fascinating. And I would love to see it happen. For the same reason, largely, that I want to see Newt Gingrich as Trump's running mate. I've become addicted to the action here. I'm now an action junkie, even greater than I was. So I want the most exciting possible Civic Circus Maximus. Throw Newt in there and put those tents up for the conventions. Woohoo! Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. I am Jay Severin, and how it pains me to say, I cannot tell you who Trump's going to pick as his running mate, and I cannot tell you whether Bernie voters are going to go for Trump. I know that Trump needs to put together a patchwork quilt of an application to the Electoral College that will make them accept him. I'm still sore at the Electoral College because I applied years ago and they turned me down. But Donald Trump is going to have to write a hell of one hell of an application to get in to the Electoral College. And right now, there has to be a lot of hidden math in order for him to do this. And I've seen too much of elections to count on hidden math. I remember the Romney campaign when he was, and you do too, because it was four years ago. He was consistently trailing by four, five, six points. And it became the hallmark, the touchstone of Republicans everywhere to say, yeah, but see, that's within the margin of error. Yeah, it might be 12 points. It was in the margin of error, all right. The error is you ran. I mean, I have a personal relationship with Mitt Romney that goes back 25 years, and I admire him very, very much. He was never going to win that campaign. I, I, 
I was involved in that campaign. I didn't do it. I never said a thing I didn't believe. I My involvement was largely relegated to <clears throat> uh, proffered strategical ideas and <clears throat> introducing him at major fundraisers and other places. But I, you knew, I knew at a certain point it wasn't going to happen. All right, let's stick, as I say, to the far more joyful elements of this show, wherein I tell you what is going to happen, and I'm right. And <clears throat> that is, I have an opportunity here to lay out before you a strategic cha-cha lesson. And here's our cha-cha lesson. Donald Trump gave one of his teleprompter speeches yesterday. It was terrible. All of his teleprompter speeches are terrible. The problem is his non-teleprompter speeches are worse. Far worse. I sat here with my child bride and watched the one on, was it Friday afternoon? And... We just kept looking at each other and saying, this is not a well man. <clears throat> this person's not well. When they talk about temperament, it means a lot of things. It means your natural brightness. You know, it means natural IQ as judged by a lot of different things. And temperament means what temperament means, too. It means what, what's, your, what's your temperament? It means a lot of things. And they, they're they not inaccessible, highfalutin concepts. We know what someone's temperament is. And I know that temperament in terms of one's readiness for the White House is goes a little broader than the day-to-day temperament we talk about. But what we see every day in our friends or colleagues, you know, That's a pretty good indicator. We know what it means, more so than we don't. Anyway, here's our cha-cha lesson. And happy to be back to terra firma here, where I know exactly what is happening. Donald Trump gives a teleprompter speech two days ago. And he says, and this was one of the highlighted cuts from it. Ready? Quote, I am the law and order candidate, period, close quote, full stop. Ready? Repeat, quote, I am the law and order candidate, period, close quote. Now, that got, that was the big applause line of the speech. There's a reason for that. And most of us know the reason for that. So I'm not going to dwell on what we already know. What I'm here to tell you is why the line was offered. Yes, it was it was offered ipso facto because if it got a big applause line, it must be politically appealing. And therefore, you say it, you use it, you continue to use it as long as it is the big applause line. Or... 
even a laugh line. You know, you use what works and Trump will use it. That's great. But he was intending to use that line then and again and again before the Republican National Convention next week, whether or not that line won him any approval, any approbation, any applause, Donald Trump was going to use that line. And here's why. Donald Trump's advisors have told him that there is going to be violence. And I mean violence very conceivably, very plausibly, like this country has once before seen in contemporary times in connection with a political event, and that was Chicago in 1968, when there were pretty much full-out riots, mostly between young white college students and the police. And it then spread to include other people, but it was mostly everybody against the Chicago Police Department. And the police department did not realize that cameras had been invented. And so this was one of the legendary, one of the landmark events of American media and contemporary history. Because the police did not realize, I'm saying the police were wrong. I'm not saying they're right. That's not my point. The point is police acted the way they had always acted before the camera was invented. And so when they decided to arrest someone and if they were assaulted and decided to assault back, they did it robustly. They they didn't know that they would be shown on the evening news. And this was the first time Americans had ever seen American policemen do, you know doing this to what was seen at the time, forgive me, but was seen as their children. This is not a matter of right and wrong. Uh, it, it certainly includes that, but I'm not speaking to that at the moment. I'm speaking about the media physics of this, the political physics of this. What Americans saw was a riot, and it had an immediate and profound and, may I say, lasting effect on the American political system. But let's stick to immediate and profound. The 1968 Chicago Democrat Convention riots changed changed that election, changed American politics. Now, I'm not necessarily suggesting that we're in for a recreation of that, but I do suggest this. I have spoken to people uh, whose names, in exchange for which I cannot use, and I already know what they're thinking. I know what they know. I've been doing what they've been doing twice as long as they've been doing it. But still, you need to know whether or not they are thinking this. And so I speak to them. And here's what the Trump campaign believes. The Trump campaign believes There is going to be violence at next week's Republican convention. They believe it is going to be violence orchestrated 
by Black Lives Matter and affiliated groups. And they believe the violence is going to be widespread, nonstop. They believe, I don't, this is different than whether or not they're right. They, the Trump campaign, apparently believe that there will be a massive demonstration of continuous violence in Cleveland at the Republican convention. And of course, what's the sense of raising or considering the question without considering, do they think this is a good thing or a bad thing? And they think it's going to be a good thing. The Trump campaign expects lots of violence and they believe in the end the net beneficiary of that violence will be the Donald Trump campaign, not the Democrats. Who, why, how, where, next. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Nota bene. Best and brightest. Nota bene. Note well. This is a very, or could be, a very, very important moment in this campaign. And you've got the cha-cha lessons laid out in advance. And here they are. Trump has laid down the predicate. Trump's statement, I am the law and order candidate. Yes, that's that's of general use to him. That's a good thing for the Republican to say all of that. But there's a reason for that. The Trump campaign believes that the violence in Dallas against the police officers, that the violent environment in general, but especially what's happened in Dallas, has handed them a political once-in-a-lifetime gift. I know that that is tremendously cynical. I know it is awful, but it is politics. And what they believe, the Trump campaign believes that Dallas has handed them an opportunity, which is going to blossom in a very negative way. The Trump campaign believes there's going to be living rooms everywhere in America during the Republican convention filled with Black Lives Matter violence. And it's going to be a pageant play. It's going to be very simple. It's going to be, you've got the radicals on the one side and you've got the law enforcers on the other. Just like Richard Nixon in 1968. History does repeat itself. The Trump campaign is counting on it. I'm not blaming them. What I'm saying is they expect it, and they expect it for good reasons, because it is not unlikely to occur. And if violence occurs at the Republican National Convention, there will be two and only two schools of thought, me mighties. It will be a binary choice. 
you will either A, be for the protesters, or B, be for the police. And the Trump campaign believes that the worst possible move that the Black Lives Matter at all can make right on the heels of Dallas is to go out and be credited or blamed with creating violence at one of our two national conventions. They believe that these groups are going to go ahead and do that anyway. And if they do, I don't fault Trump's thinking. I think Americans will be disgusted and horrified and frightened and turned off. And I think they will blame whoever is blamed for the violence. And I think we know who that's going to be. And I think they're going to be very open about who they are and what they're going to do. And so Trump has laid down the predicate two weeks in advance by saying, I am the law and order candidate. Because if Americans are in their living rooms everywhere watching violence at the Republican National Convention, again, there's going to be a binary choice. You're going to be for the violent protesters or for the police. And Trump is rolling the dice in advance that people will want a law and order man. He is laying the predicate that this will set the stage for a campaign that matches his two biggest assets, saying, I'm going to make us safe. It's actually three. It's jobs and the economy. But the other one is national security, national defense, make us safe. And the domestic equivalent of that is law and order. And I predict to you that the Trump campaign is laying the predicate, expecting violence at the Republican National Convention, and laying the predicate to be the law and order forces, which many more Americans will side with than the other side. That is their gamble. I think it is a good casino gamble, and it certainly makes for a civic circus maximus, does it not? Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.